As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets Podcast. Aaron Portstein with you Tuesday morning. What is this, July 14th? Allison Lucan is here. Hello. Allison, it's good to see you yesterday. <laughs> Halfway through yesterday, I looked at you. I said, I haven't physically seen you since March. You smiled as you said it. I assume. I yeah, did. Yeah, and I assume that meant it was that you were happy to have ended the four months not glowing in the idea that it was four months between personal uh, visits um what did they what did they at the, at the rink yesterday now i i look i grew up a hardcore baseball fan and used to worship at the site of a of a perfectly manicured ballpark and there's something i don't want to say religious that's a little trite but it's very um, uplifting to, to see that. Um, it makes you feel home again, no matter where that is. I had, yesterday was so different than it usually is with the, you know, you don't usually have your temperature taken on the way into the building. Um, we're not usually operating with half of our faces covered. So it was impossible to ignore a lot of the differences. We're still sitting six feet apart, but to have that cold, dry air smack you in the face and to hear the pucks uh, rattle off the post and hit the glass behind the net to hear this the skate blades on the ice the whistles blow uh, to feel the the air in the building start to circulate as the players uh, take their laps at the end of of a drill you just kind of there was an ah oh, about it as though and I know this is hardly a done deal and there's still lots of unfortunate things swirling around in this world and in this country. Um, but it felt 
it was a respite for the players. It felt like that a little bit um, to me as well. What were your thoughts and your observations yesterday? Stepping back into that rink, the Ohio Health Ice House, as the Blue Jackets resumed training camp or began training camp 2.0 in the restart of this season. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it was great to to see hockey for sure, and um, there isn't anything like those sounds, like you say. But it, it was harder for me, I think. Um, the realities of what we all have to do, like we all couldn't even. And, and those of you who've been in the ice house know it's hard enough to hear as it is in there. Um, it, you know, it was hard for us all to to communicate. It felt weird to even say hello. We had marked off areas as we should, where to sit and where to stand and things like this. And I, there was just part of it, I, it, part of me felt wrong being happy about yeah. it because of the bigger challenges we're facing and we're seeing other sports dealing with it. And I don't know, there was just, there was something in it that just felt like, uh, uh, I, like, it, like it felt wrong to, to be happy about it, if that makes no, sense. No, it does. It does. I guess, like, it did this, this that they're doing, it, it, again, it may or may not come off. And they, they may go to Toronto and play the qualifying round. And there may be a Stanley Cup awarded this year or not. I mean, nine members of the Penguins stayed home yesterday from camp, not because they have the virus. We should be careful to say that. I think some have missed that point, uh, but because they have come, uh, they believe they came in contact with someone who may have had it. So these things are going to pop up as it goes along. Who knows where this is going to go? I mean, uh, like you said, other sports are fighting it as well. But I feel, I do feel like the league is doing this the right way. I believe maybe naively, maybe I'm naive to think this, that the league will hit the brakes if it's not going the way that it should health wise. Um, and so it, this isn't coming, they're able to get the testing and not take it from anybody else, which was key to me. So this is happening if it happens at no cost to anybody other than the league and the players. So that felt, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there yesterday and I'm writing down lines for the first time. Maybe I got carried away with it and, and sort of lost where, you know, lost my mind, but you're looking at, at lines and you're looking at defensive pairs and you're watching goalies and you're, it, it was hilarious that you saw it. The, the one drill where they had a hell of a hard time splitting up into groups. They're like, no guys, we've got three here and six over here. What are we doing? And then the group from three, like three of them would go, Oh, we'll go over there. And it's like, well, now you got six here and three there. Like it was all over the place because everything was sort of getting back into the flow of things again. It just felt different for sure, but joyous nonetheless. And they go back at it later today, 11 a.m. practice. And Allison, there are going to be scrimmages later this week. Is that Thursday, Friday? I believe the schedule we got said Friday for sure. Okay, well, it must be Thursday um, as well because they're off Saturday. Let's look here. Thursday. Yes, you are correct. The 11 a.m. practice, 1230 scrimmage. Friday is the same schedule. And then Saturday they are off. Gotcha. Um, so yesterday was heavy on the skating. Um, yes. The flow. I think the hard skating came at the end, 20 minutes, not the, an hour and a half like Torx likes to do early in camp. He knows he can't do this now. Um, 
And, and I think we're going to see more of that today. And then later this week, it gets into uh, their work, getting back into the mindset of their style of play, their system, and then they start playing uh, inter-squad games to get up and going. Your thoughts, I mean, this is com- compacted. I think they have 12 days before they go to Toronto. I think they're taking two days off in there. So they have 10 days of work to get ready to play a, be- a best of five series against maybe the most defensive team in the NHL. Um, this, this is going to be an interesting stretch of time here. Yeah, I mean, and I think what was interesting to me to your point of, of a compressed what happens in a quote-unquote normal camp, um, tons of time to my eye of, of what at least are the initial line combinations spent together, right? Trying to find um, if those are fits, if they are not fits, what's working. Um, it, I, I saw a little bit too of, of making sure Foodie knows he's in the NHL now. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be very interesting. And, and I, I don't know about you, but I sensed, we always kind of comment on the mood of a practice. That practice was quiet to me and not in a bad way, but it was, and not in an intense way either. It was just, uh, I hate the term, but it was workmanlike, right? It was very um, focused. It felt like from a player perspective. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. I wonder. Yeah. Yeah. That is interesting. I think it's just so peculiar to guys right now. Oh, for you sure. Know, like, I, I wonder if today's a little bit louder or if that is yeah, just yeah. like, okay, this is a skating practice. Save your lungs. I'm not, I wonder where that goes. Um, so I was more focused on Corpus Allo, but tell me your observations of, of their, them welcoming, and I'm putting welcoming in quotes, um, Liam Foody. What did, what did you see there? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it was anything bad, but, you know, there were a, there were a couple battles for pucks where the guys went hard and, you know, they showed them that this, if again, this isn't just the NHL, but this is a very short time to be ready to play. And if you are going to have a spot to play, this is how it's going to be. Um, you know, I saw him get knocked down a couple times in those battles, um, challenges in at net front um, on the rushes. Yeah. So I just think there was a, and, and I think people were going hard um, but I, I saw focus to make sure, and, and maybe it was just on everyone. And it's what I saw was Liam adjusting and it, he didn't look out of place. Let me be clear on that either. But, uh, there was definitely, um, moments where I saw him having him reacting, um, to intense play that was normal across the board, not targeted, but, yeah. but welcome to the NHL. Liam. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and what's the, what's the pushback here? Cause that's a kid. They want to be in group one. He yep. is in group one. That's a kid who's got to sort of stay in group one. I think that they all do, but I think that's the guy you look at as, as a candidate to, yeah. to, to slide. One thing that I found interesting, and I plan to scratch at this later today, I think, and, and yeah, I think this is the reality in the league, but it's amazing to me if you look, and let me just go through their lines uh, really quickly if I can remember the numbers. <laughs> um, Texier, Dubois, York Strand. Yes. Uh, Felino, he's 71. Jenner, Bemstrom. <laughs> yes. Gustav Nyquist, uh, Wenberg, and Atkinson. And then Robinson, yes. Nash, 
foodie or foodie Nash Robinson. Um, there are rookies on three of the four lines. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they have any problem with that at all. Like the, obviously not. These, these, are the, these are the lines that they chose. That really, the only line that does not have a rookie on it is Nyquist, Wenberg, and Atkinson that you could not have played probably five years ago in this league, maybe 10 years ago in this league. They are, they are a young team going younger if, if they go into this tournament like this. You've got, you've got options. These are the guys that you're going with. I think Tortorella wants a different look, a young look, an unpredictable look for for what lies ahead yeah uh, <laughs> I, I um let me say this too what i found really interesting on torts and what um i may end up asking him depending on the mood he's in because you always have to read him properly is um i wonder what it's like for him he, he touched on this yesterday they are planning just a week at a time yeah. as coaches yeah. And I think that's got to be really disarming for them. I mean, these are guys who um, it, some of us around the team have seen, they have, you know, schedules month by month. Stuff is literally planned out a month ahead mm-hmm. of time for the team, for the coaches. And even in playoffs, there's, a, there's an understood rhythm to the thing, um, if that makes sense, in a normal playoff. So I, I think it's very interesting that they're just, he, he said they have nothing planned past Friday. And then they'll figure out what comes next, which is crazy, I'm sure, to him. Yes. Um, looking at the only, I mean, I can't remember when you and I sat down and did lines on this show a while back. The, the 14, 10, 13 feels weird to me. Yeah. Um, and and I, I must make note on that, on that same vein that Cam Atkinson was the one who said um, in interviews yesterday that he wants to showcase himself, um, oh. which could be him saying he wants to be on a different line, not with all due respect to those players, but maybe he thinks there's a different combination for yeah. him. Um, but uh, yeah, th- those are lines. But, but I think too, honestly, like I don't, I know that technically Texier is a rookie. I think at this point he's kind of a rookie plus, if so that makes sense. You him as, um, like that as well. Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh, Bemstrom might be the most junior of those three to me, but, but I think they've had enough hockey. Um, and, and I don't wonder too, if, if a guy like Bemstrom from a mental perspective, this pause helped him even be more adjusted to what the NHL demands versus if he had cruised right through the balance of the season and potentially postseason play, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just interested because I think, I think, and they would never acknowledge this, but I, I, a, the league has changed. This isn't the thing they wouldn't acknowledge. The league has changed. You used to have to hide rookies, especially slight rookies. Yeah, yeah. And now yeah, yeah. <clears throat> the way they're aligned, you can't get away from it. Um, but the other thing, too, is I think it's a, it's a, it's a adjustment based upon who they're playing. And For sure. Toronto is a speed team that loves transition and doesn't like to defend. And so if you can give them something to think about, and Foodie gives you something to think about um, just with his wheels. If nothing else, his wheels yeah. give you something to think about. Uh, I, I, I see that as, as part of the approach. But God, Allison, to look. So I, did, I looked at their, their lines when they last played. 
And you're like, <laughs> what? Like, are, really? Wenberg, yeah. Dubois, Bemstrom was the line? Huh. It's crazy. Yeah. And That's their crazy. third line, who's 11? Stenland? Yeah. Yes. Wow, it's been a while. Uh, Stenland, Robinson, no, Stenland, Nash, Robinson was their third line in Vancouver. Because they had yep. so many guys out. Of all of the combinations yesterday, only one it was the, the second defensive pair, Gavrikov Savard, was the same as it was in Vancouver. That's the change that has come to this lineup, uh, mostly through health since we last saw them. Um, yeah. It's dramatic. Now, the one question that is going to prevail throughout all of this, and if I've gained anything through covering this league low these many years it's this that you probably aren't going to know who the blue jackets goaltender is going to be against the leaves at least to start until august 1st if then right, right. right. they may say we'll tell you after the first period of game <laughs> i don't talk about my goalies Porty. don't who even go there start um yeah but it, so, and, and this is, uh, you know, we're talking about it because it's an observation at training camp, or at least one that I made. Um, and it can all change tomorrow. It probably doesn't mean anything, but rarely do you sit in the stands and go, wow, that guy's having a rough day in practice. But yeah. it looked to me like Corpus Allo had a rough day in practice. Elvis looked to clearly be, I thought, looked sharper. I don't know if he thought, we didn't talk to either goalie. I don't know if, if Elvis would think he felt sharp because it's been a long layoff for those guys. And precision means more to goalies than just about any other player on the ice. Um, but for a day, anyways, we, you know, a couple other guys in the media were saying, so Elvis is starting against the Leafs, eh? Because that's what it looked like in day one. Long way to go. Um, but that, that was an observation of mine from day one. Did you witness similar, Allison? Yeah, I, I don't. He didn't look comfortable to me. And and what I want to understand, and and maybe we can ask even some of the the other players who traveled from Europe. You know, we know that um, coming back to America, there was a mandated quarantine time after travel. And again, specific to that position, like, are you literally just sitting in your apartment with nowhere to go and nothing to do? Like, what what was Corpus Allo's experience the past three weeks, right? right? Like not just the travel, but then coming to the U.S., et cetera, so forth. So maybe it's just a whole adjustment period. I, I know that some of the European guys across the league were trying to wait as long as possible to come back to the States, which I totally get. So um, there might be some compressed timeframe that might not usually be there um, for any player. Um, but that's where my mind was going as I kind of reflected on this. But yeah, I, I don't think he looked as comfortable as he has. Um, it did take me a while to remember that Elvis does that where he kind of stays down yeah. after a save. Because the first time he did, I was like, oh no. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then I was like, I was like, oh no, that's what he does. I forgot. <laughs> right. Yeah. I just I noticed it early and it was like, okay, I'm gonna watch Corpy for a while here. And it just didn't, it didn't look like other practices to me. Agreed. And you Agreed. go, oh my God, the, the, you know, maybe it's the worst day at the office and you get it out of the way and he's better. Long way to go. Long, For sure. Long For sure. way to go. Um, but that's something that will be watched throughout camp is who's the guy. And once it gets going in the qualifying round, 
how long can coaches stick with the goalie? Is a bad goal now worth, I don't know what two bad goals were in a seven game series. Right. Neither of these guys right. has played in, in the NHL playoffs. Right. Right. Woo. So right. that's another part of the youth that is sort of thrust upon coaches today. That would have been almost unthinkable back in the day, but there are of course examples of success. I'm not, I, I think sometimes experience on the big stage can be overrated. Um, I think I sometimes it can paralyze you, especially if your experiences on the big stage have not been positive. Um, Columbus knows that yeah. well. <laughs> Some of these guys, they, they, if you don't know any better, you don't really realize how big the situation. Oh, am I on? Oh, I'm on stage. Right. Right. Like it's right. just how it hits them. It's, it's um, yeah. Hey everybody, Aaron Port's on here. I want to talk to you today about Hawthorne Cologne. Uh, when you cover NHL games in San Jose, just a little insight here, they pass around breath mints in the press box just before the end of the game. And that strong mint is a strong hint. It is important to smell good. Smelling good is important. Hawthorne smells really good. Getting Hawthorne cologne is so easy to. Take a quick two-minute quiz and Hawthorne tells you the two colognes that are best for you. One for work and one for play. It's totally risk-free, free shipping, free returns. Check out Hawthorne at hawthorne.co. That's Hawthorne with an E and .co, not .com. Hawthorne.co and use the promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off your first purchase. That's hawthorne.co and use promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off your first purchase. Hawthorne.co. Um, one other thing to, that we'll keep an eye on daily, and I've created, I didn't show you yesterday because I was afraid you would steal them from me. Uh, I created <laughs> these little cheat sheets. Oh, here yeah. we go. Um, and I, I was such a dork. My family may or may not have made fun of me. I printed them onto pieces of paper and then divided the paper into fours. Um, a little scorecard so that I'm not writing the same name down every day and then crossing it off when I see them. I know, right? Um, and I'm upset that you wouldn't share with well, me. Well, because you, you would steal them. Um, we, we have to watch <laughs> group one wow. and group two to see. I think there's going to be some movement. Maybe not today, but I think John Tortorella sets it up this way. And there's no, it's one of those things that's self-fulfilling. There's no reason to set it up this way if there's not movement. Am I right? You know what I'm saying? So let me just backtrack so we're not talking about something that's blurry to people. There's two groups. One is the the game group. No one calls it that necessarily, but that's the team that that is the game group. And then there's the the black aces, which is what they're called, the players in the playoffs that that aren't in the regular uh, rotation lineup. And they skate amongst themselves. He's already divided that into group two now. And there's a possibility for the group two guys to practice their way up to group one. I think the biggest climb for that is going to be in the, the uh, inter-squad games, the, the scrimmages. Um, but there has to be movement, right? In this, Allison, there's really no way, there's no really no reason to do this if there's, if there's not the, there is the ability, but do guys have to move up? Don't you expect that almost? Particularly on the forward side, right? Because there's 12 right. Um, in, in the game group. And at the very least, you're going to end up wanting to have that 13th guy there 
um, so that he can feel the flow and the energy and, and the process of that group if he's going to end up having to slot in at any point. Um, defense is a little harder to crack just because of the numbers, which we talk about all the time. But, uh, yeah, I think – and I think, to your point, Torts loves this stuff, so – He's going to move people yeah. around. And was Gerby the one that surprised you on group two? Yeah, but, but again, I think that, I think that, eh, yes. Yeah. To me, I, I was equally or perhaps more surprised by Andrew Peak being down there. I was too, but again, this is exactly where we were at the start of the season when everyone was healthy. If you just look at the names, like, when that defense is healthy, like who, who are you going to pull out? Right. If you're going to skate with eight defensemen. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, I could give you a couple names that I would put ahead. Of. Sure. Um, I could give you one or two, yeah, right. maybe. And that's, and so, you know, you can look at it like, well, they're, they have one way contracts. Well, that doesn't mean a damn thing. In this well, exercise. Right. But I, I thought peak and he mentioned, Torts mentioned him yesterday, went out of his way to mention him as a guy that could move up. Um, For sure. So something to keep, keep an eye on. It's going to be, it'll be interesting. Um, and, you know, the first thing, speaking of this, like dorky checklist, everyone was there yesterday, which is, is not almost not news and yet is news because in a lot of places that hasn't been the case. We mentioned Pittsburgh. Uh, there are players across the league and in other spots that are not at camp because of concerns that they may have it or a diagnosis that they may have it or have come in contact with it. So I think. Or other, or other reasons. And this is, this, this is something I don't think the league has done well. I understand the intent, but this whole not fit to play. And that's all that's being said. It's just inviting like Corey Crawford isn't playing in Chicago because he's not fit to play. What does that mean? There's a whole article on the athletic today about what does that mean? So it's, I get it, but I feel like this has aired a little bit too much on the side of caution and is inviting perhaps even more unfair conversation about players in my opinion. Sadly, it it is opportunities like this that some people um, take to get things that they've wanted normally. In other words, even less information being put out there. Um, And I, you know, it's, it's a strange thing because it is a health issue and players are like other, like anyone, um, they are, you know, they deserve privacy if they wish to have it. But yes. part of this feels, some of it feels like the league protecting itself from criticism more than it is about a player's privacy. 100% agree. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I heard reports yesterday that nine members of the Pittsburgh Penguins have, and you're like, "Whoa, they don't have it!" Like, right. slow down. But again, this is this is part of the problem. And I had people, you know, asking me questions about it. I'm sure you did too, both voice to voice and on Twitter. When you can't be clear, you heard from a friend who heard from a guy, yes. becomes the thing, and. In the absence of information, misinformation can take over. And I just, again, I just am really, I'm really not a fan of this. And I think that unfortunately, there are going to be players who are going to be touched by the virus. And I think that 
because of that, it's going to get worse and worse and worse when insert big name player here from prominent team is not on yeah. the ice. And it's, it's, I, I just think it was a misstep yeah. in, in the league's decision. The other thing that I don't like about it is, is it inserts some level of shame. It feels agree. like it, right? Like, agree, agree, yeah, agree. You know, you can take all the precautions and still get this. This is a virulent, nasty virus. Um, and it's Agreed. not, it's not a sign of weakness. And there, there, there is a problem with this league thinking that illness and injury is a sign of weakness. It's not tough enough. Um, yeah. And I, I really, I appreciated, I thought Cam was the most thoughtful on that yesterday. Um, just being very open about the, the struggle he had in wanting to play and wanting to fight for a Stanley cup, but also the realities of worrying about his family. And, and he was the one that told us that they had a talk with all the guys and basically said, it's not what's happening at the rink that, that we have to worry right. about everything you, every decision and everything you do when you're not here, that has a massive impact on everyone involved. And I, I appreciated those comments and I appreciated um, the thought that was evident that went into those comments. Yeah. So the, the team met yesterday at noon and we weren't, we weren't present, obviously. And <laughs> no one provided us minutes. But one gets a sense that there were two topics discussed. One was just that veteran players and coaches saying to the young guys who have um, much disposable income and lots of time after practice, sure, you sure. cannot go live as you used to live and want to live. Not right now. Yep. Because these yep. next 10 days, 14 days, whatever, are critical. If they can get through, th this is really the, the dark woods of all of this. And if they can get to the hub city, th then that is going to be, one assumes, a safer environment, certainly a more controlled environment, we can say that, than what is now the case in each city. Okay. So Cam Atkinson, Nick Foligno, those, uh, Gustav Nyquist, Savard, those guys, they go home either to their families or to their apartment and they're, they're chill. Yes. The young guys, disposable cash, good looking guys, lots of time. Everybody wants to, to say Hey to them. They've got, they have to chill out and not, mm -hmm. they can't screw this up because one of the, if one of them gets it and steps into camp one day, you got big problems like really yeah. big problems. Um, so that, that, that's something that's always with them. They had that discussion. And then I thought it was interesting too, that Tortorella, and this is classic Tortorella, but it wasn't just a reactionary outburst from him. He also wants players to get to a point where they're living in the way that they should be living. Mm -hmm. They're pre and they're coming to the rink and they're trusting what's going on around them in terms of the testing, uh, the way that the practice is being held. Um, they're trusting all of that stuff. And then they can let all of that stuff, just put that on one side of their mind and they can focus on hockey. No complaining. as yeah. he said. Yes. And I yes. wonder, I, I liked, I, I get that. I think it's a message that's going to be, um, it's going to be mentioned in 23 other markets as well. But I wonder your thoughts, Allison, on the effectiveness of that. I think the sort of singular mindset that John Tortorella is always trying to push. Um, 
I think it can be, I think they've got a lot of practice at it here in Columbus, but I think it can be effective too. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And I think it, um, I think the, the what he has working for him is not just the culture he's built in that team and, and the experience, like you said, but, and I, and I think it was Nick Felino who spoke on this a little bit yesterday is that in some ways being able to be on the rink is, is kind of a getaway mentally, right? You, if, if you're engaged, it, it's your release. It's, it's, you can set the world aside and just focus on what your job is and this game that you play for a living and that you love. Um, and, and again, I mean, I talked about this even in facing the Maple Leafs. This, this is a group that has a ton of practice um, with mental resiliency and putting things in a box and setting them aside or addressing them if they pop back out of that yeah. box. Um, and, and I think that it's a, it's a key message. I mean, even, and this back to my comments of kind of feeling uneasy, you watch these guys and they're banging into each other. They're sweating, they're exhaling, they're, they are playing a game that makes it very easy to be at risk sure. if someone has the virus. And so I think that that might be part of his message too, is again, bringing it full circle, do what you need to do, do it the right way, and then be free to play this game because you trust that everyone is doing it the right way. Then be free to play this game the way we need to play it and play it the best we can to compete for our cup. It's compartmentalizing. Yep. Yeah. Um, this is something I've been thinking about ever since last year, and I think it applies here. I sense, I have sensed since the, since, since the playoffs <laughs> last spring, um, when you get over that hill for the first time, uh, I, it, certainly it's the, the ultimate question is, are you good enough? But I think there's also a, me, a mental barrier there that you know you have it in you to get up and over that hill of winning a playoff yep. series. You can, you can beat somebody in a playoff series. Yep. Um, I, I, I sense it, and it doesn't feel hollow this time. It used to, when guys would talk about, um, we're going to go on a run, we're going to win the playoffs, we're going to win the Stanley Cup, yada, yada. It felt hollow and a little out of place because no one had done it before. Right. And even won a playoff series. That's and that's as close as they've come. Uh, obviously, they'd never won one before. I, I think once you get the boulder up and over the hill, it it becomes easier to do it because you know you can do it, even if you don't. Even if even if you're not as talented as the other team, I I think that clearing that mental hurdle is huge for them, and I sense a different sort of. Um, professionalism among these guys do you am i reaching no and that and that might be the the quietness i was trying to explain earlier right is is that it's that it's we're working because we know what we can do but we've got to put the work in to do it um and even cam referenced basically you know proving it by beating tampa last year he mentioned that yesterday and i think also it's a very big boost for this group mentally, to, we've, we've talked about this numerous times, the nights after a win that you and, and I and Tom would be walking back upstairs and just looking at each other and saying, how did they win that game? Um, to know that they did that and now to look around that ice and see Seth Jones, see Oliver Bjorkstrand, see Cam Atkinson, see 
Ryan Murray. That too has to bolster where they are. And I think it is true. You, you, they've earned it, right? It's just, it's the reason everyone talks about experience is that, yep, they, they, they did it before. So if they think they can do it, they have a good chance. I mean, look at Toronto, look how much Boston is in Toronto's head for all the times they've kicked Toronto out of the postseason. So yeah, there, I definitely think there's something. Yeah. And, and now Columbus has to, so Toronto's an interesting, an uh, in, in, in interesting a thing because you, if you go to Canada and you you look at a, a map of Leafs fans and there's just this huge blue bubble over Toronto. It's the local obsession, of course, but all over yes. Canada there are Leafs fans, right? Yes, it's so big to them. They're the Yankees of 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 hockey. I know the Canadians maybe that's a fair argument because they've got all the cups, but. The point is they have fans everywhere. They're the Dallas Cowboys, you might say, of the NFL, where there's there's yeah. just fans everywhere. And I, I sense a lot of them are expecting the Blue Jackets to beat them. Hmm. I get that feeling from a lot of people, or maybe it's just a lot of people who hate the Leafs and are, are <laughs> hoping that the Blue Jackets can do it. Because in Canada, you have, you have all the other NHL teams for sure. But almost all of them are Leafs are Canadians. Canadians, oh, okay. Like they always had a team, one of those two teams, in addition to their team. And maybe that's just an Eastern thing. Um, but it, it's it's crazy how big it is, and the Blue Jackets are going there into their rink to play them. I think, I think if you took a poll, more than fifty percent of people would think the Blue Jackets are going to win. And that's a kind of a different territory for Blue Jackets fans and Blue Jackets players. Um, but I still think they can generate the feeling of an underdog because of the popularity of the Leafs and the, the uh, aura of that Maple Leaf too. Oh, for sure. hundred yeah. percent. So this is going to be interesting. Hi folks. Aaron Portson here with a message from the athletic. Most of our listeners are from right here in central Ohio, and what better way to promote your business than through the Front and Nationwide podcast? Our listeners are loyal and engaged, just like you, and podcasts are becoming a part of our everyday routines. The Athletic covers the sports world like nobody else, not just an international reach, but intense local coverage. To advertise on this very show, go to theathletic.com slash podcast ads. That's podcast ads. There you can fill out a very simple form and we'll get right back to you. So go to theathletic.com slash podcast ads today. Allison, back at the rink today. Back at the rink today. Um, I'll bring my little cheat sheets if you want to see it. I'm, I'm a little I'm a little hurt by this. I'm not gonna lie. I thought we were a team. We are, but we're but you know, you also you put the uh peanut butter M&Ms between you and Tom for a reason too. And I understand it. I understand it. Listen, I, this, this, we're, we're, this is going to be a debate now. I'm a little annoyed. Ah, well, I'll show them to you today. There's really nothing to write home about if they're convenient. Um, so we'll be back with you again on Friday. And good, good chatting as always, Allison. I'll see you out there at the rink. It's good to be back. Sounds good. Talk to you later.